Thank you. You can be seated. Um, so I got to warn you before we get started today, this is totally like Bible class. If you've ever heard of like Bible verses coming out of a fire hose, that's what's going to happen to you today. So buckle up. I make no apology for it, but I'm going to give you a lot of information. Just hang on, hang on, and you can go back through your notes later. But to get started, I want to know, you know, I love Jelly Bellies. Anybody Jelly Belly lovers here? I'm kind of snooty. I don't just eat those regular, you know, off-name brand jelly beans. I just don't waste my time on that sugar. But uh, these are legit. Now, I want to know from those of you that are Jelly Belly fans, you, you, we generally fall into two categories. When you go and get your Jelly Belly, some of you, you go and get just a big bag of whatever's there. It's like, you know, and you take it home. That's what I did here with this bag. But others of you are much more particular about how you put together your Jelly Belly bag, and you actually find the places where you can specifically choose your favorite flavors, and then you put those in the bag. So, how many of you are people that just get the multi-bag? Be honest. Okay. How many of you are more particular about it and you like to pick your individual flavors? Okay, I want to let you know you are more like God than the other group. Because uh, the reason I say that is in uh, the Apostle's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 12, he talks about uh, the church being like a human body. He co- this is where the phrase the body of Christ comes from. And he says that these parts, that just like a human body, the church is made of different parts and they all work together. And it takes all the parts working together in order for the body to truly work. And those of you that are having issues with your body, you know, you know, as things start to break down, it it hinders your, your ability to do what you want to do or what you thought you could do. So we need all those parts. What's interesting is that in that same chapter, where he talks about the necessity of all these parts. Paul says that God arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them. So what that means is when God looked at Sunridge Community Church and he started thinking, okay, who are the jelly bellies? That's you guys. Who are the jelly bellies I want to put in that bag? He specifically chose you. He didn't just scoop down and throw a bunch of people into a place called Sunridge Community Church. As long as you're here, there's a specific reason why you're here. And the reason that's important is we are in a series right now called Deeply Rooted, which is all about what deep-rooted faith looks like and what are some of the things that we can do to sink the roots of our faith deep. And last week we talked about the impact of serving on that. We talked about the call to serve, that each one of us has a call to serve the body of Christ and to serve the world through the power of, uh, and the, the experiences that God has given us. And Jesus said, if you recall, that he modeled that for us. In John 13, when he washed the disciples' feet, he said, I have given you an example of what you should do. So we have a call to serve, but today what I want to talk about is how we're equipped to serve. Some of you, like, met me out on the, hall, out on the patio. Some of, many of you avoid me. I see you, by the way. I see you like, don't talk to the preacher. He's going to give me a tithing envelope or something. Um, I totally lie. Never go on a rant joke when you're my age because you'll forget where you are. 
Um, you know, you, I'm going to look at my notes. Oh, some of you were saying like, man, I just, man, you got me, Brit. Man, I, I know I got to get cranked up to serve. And I'm like, okay. A few people were listening. But I know that some of you were going like, man, I don't even know where to start. I'm fearful about that. I'm underqualified. It's like, I, I don't even know what I would do. Maybe you've been doing something and you're totally burned out on it. And you don't want to do it anymore. It's like, you're like, there's all these mixed emotions. Like, what really can I do? That's what we're going to talk about today. How God has equipped you specifically, each one of us, and arranged us in the body just as he wanted them to be. That's the topic, and we, I'm just going to be shameless about it. Uh, I can't find a better way of talking about that than what Rick Warren has laid down from Saddleback Community Church in his idea of shape. If you've read Purpose Driven Life, you know that he uses this five letter acronym to describe how God equips us. And he uses the word shape. So uh, God uses our unique shape to make a difference in the world. And we're going to talk about what each one of those letters means today. Five factors to consider how God has equipped you to serve in the body of Christ and in the world today. The first one, S, is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Uh, spiritual gifts are a God-given ability for building others up in the church. Now, you, you might be totally new to this, but every person who becomes a Christian has spiritual gifts. They either happen at conversion, through the Holy Spirit gives those to us, Paul writes, or maybe God gives them to you later in your life, but you have at least one spiritual gift and depending on what scholar you read, which commentary you're into, there are different lists. But I'm going to go through what I found to be, uh, you know, at least 20 spiritual gifts that are listed. I want to say in the beginning, I don't think the list is exhaustive. I think the mix of gifts, the way God puts us together, looks a lot differently on people. But we know we have at least these 20 things to talk about. So I'm going to click through them really quickly. These definitions, by the way, are on the back of your note sheet, okay? First of all, there's administration, the ability to organize tasks, projects, things, and people. Did you know that if you're good at organizing, that may be something that God has equipped you with? How many of you feel like you're pretty good organizers? Okay, great. Apostleship. These are in uh, alphabetical order, by the way, not by importance. The ability to pioneer new churches and ministries, not to be confused with the 12 disciples. The reason are 12 apostles. Why I mention that is, think of this as big letter A, first of all. There were apostles like Paul and Peter who are listed in your New Testament, and they were people that wrote scripture, and they were closely, they either walked with Jesus or were, with, uh, were closely associated with someone who did. But there are also little a apostles, people that just have a, an amazing ability to launch new churches and ministries. I think about uh, the, the, the founder of Calvary Chapel churches, Chuck Smith, an amazing man. And you know, he's in heaven right now. And like, there are literally thousands of people in heaven because Chuck Smith started in Costa Mesa, meeting with a bunch of hippies down on the beach. And God used him. And today we have modern versions of it. Today we have like Andy Stanley, 
uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. We have Craig Rochelle of Life Church, which has multi-sites and multi-states and about 120,000 people in total, all meeting in churches throughout the country. Lots of people with that ability. Uh, next up is evangelism, the ability to engage people who are not Christians and help them understand the gospel. Some people just have a knack to talk to people that are far from God and, and give them the gospel. And for other people that don't have that gift, it, it's really stressful to you. But some people are just natural at it. Everyone has a responsibility. Some people are more gifted. Discernment is another one. Uh, the ability to identify falsehood and see motive. Sometimes we talk about, like, this person who has discernment has the ability to read people. How many of you think you might have that capacity? Like, you can see through the baloney sometimes. Okay. You're not using it on me right now, are you? Okay, next up is exhortation, spiritual gift of exhortation, special ability to encourage and comfort others. You know, someone who's an exhorter, they can just come into any situation and put their arm around somebody, and they feel better. They feel inspired. They feel empathized with. How many of you feel like you might be exhorters? Like, you're just an encouraging person, okay? Hopefully, your spouse isn't going, huh, what? Uh, faith is next, the ability to trust God in extraordinary ways. We're all to have faith, but some of you have an amazing ability to trust God. Uh, giving, did you know that giving, some people can have the gift of giving. Uh, it's the ability to produce wealth and give in an extraordinary way to advance God's work. Some people just have the resources and the heart to say, you know, like, God has given me so much, and I, and I want to give it. I won't ask for raise of hands on that. You're relieved, not, you're not with me, so wake up. Uh, next is helps, the ability to work in a supportive role with others, often with the ability to see needs before others. So someone has a gift of helps. You don't want to be the first person. You don't want to be the lead, but you love being that second person, or maybe third or fourth. You love helping others accomplish something. How many of you think you might be that person? Okay, you might have that gift. Hospitality, the ability to create a warm and welcoming environment. Some of you just have a knack. Like, you can make it look hospitable, but then it also comes out just like in your nature. Uh, you know, you've gone to someone's house, and, like, you just feel so welcome when they walk in, and you've gone to other people's house, and you're like, man, we can't, they don't even want us here. If that's you, you don't have that gift. <laughs> Knowledge. Uh, the supernatural ability to understand and bring truth to a situation and that ability should always align with Scripture. Uh, sometimes uh, the gift of knowledge is used like someone has a word for you. It's like, I, I, I see this, and I, I have something to say to you. And those words should always be either quoting Scripture or come in alignment with what the Scripture already teaches. Um, leadership, the ability to focus, influence, and direct people on a big picture or vision. Some of you are leaders that way. Uh, maybe you're not the detail person, but you can think of the big idea. Uh, some people have the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy, the ability to feel empathy and care for hurting people in a greater capacity than most. We're all to be merciful, but some of you just have such a knack. Like you're just so, I mean, like your heart goes out to people. You guys all know I have that gift, right? <laughs> I do not have that gift. Uh, but I'm, I learn how to be more merciful by those of you, from, from those of you who do. Uh, Pastor Shepherd, the ability to oversee spiritual growth and care for a church. There's service, which is kind of related to helps, but slightly different. Uh, 
to some uh, scholars, uh, the ability to help others with tasks for the greater good. There's teaching, the ability to communicate truth or scripture in a way that prompts understanding or spiritual growth. And then there's wisdom, the ability to bring clarity to situations and circumstances that help uh, people in practical ways. So these are, those were all alphabetical, and those are more, they're called the edifying gifts by some, or uh, servant gifts. And these next gifts are more miraculous, and they can be controversial. That's why I put them in a second, second category. But there's healing, the supernatural ability to change physical, mental, spiritual health issues through prayer, laying on of hands. There's miracles, uh, the gift of miracles in the Bible, supernatural ability to alter outcomes in regard to illness or even natural physical laws. And then there's prophecy, capital P, the ability to communicate God's truth or message that calls people in a right relationship with God. Uh, Capital P meaning like in the New Testament, uh, the apostles, as they wrote scripture, they were prophesying directly as God was inspiring them. So there's also... uh, scholars believe like a little p prophecy and that's more someone who's direct and it's like you see things black and white and you just bring the scripture in to a situation and then there's tongues and the interpretation of tongues which is the miraculous ability to speak in or interpret a language you did not know previously now if you wonder like you know uh, where sunridge stands on the miraculous gifts we are not um, I'm going to give you a word here. I don't know if it's spelled right in my notes, but cessationists. We don't believe here that the gifts have ceased. Any of these gifts have like died out and they could never return again. We believe that God can do anything he wants to do. And so we don't intend to limit God in any way. Um, but let me give you some advice too. Um, never limit God, but don't turn your brain off. Now, I say that in love, and I, and I say that being very direct, because throughout my Christian experience, I have seen ministries and teachers appear on the scene, gather a great number of followers who are hucksters, and they've been proven to be so after time. And a lot of how they attract people to that is and I'm going to put this in quotes, by miracle. So we need need to engage the brains that God has given us and to test things with the scripture and with the logic that God has given us, but never, ever limit God, okay? You all guys all right? All right, amen, okay. We're cooking with gas now. So uh, I know that was a lot of information, but a long time ago, somebody told this little story and it helped me as as a new Christian to kind of, get a bigger picture of how the different gifts work. And so the scenario is you have these people at at a meal in a restaurant, and every spiritual gift around that table is represented. When the waitress walks in with a tray of food and she stumbles and the food spills, the tray goes everywhere. How do those people sitting at the table with different gifts respond? This will help you. So the person with the gift of service, they get down on their hands and knees and they start picking things up and, and helping, uh, you know, clean up the mess. The administrator sits back and goes, okay, we got to get organized here. You get a mop, you get a broom, you get a rag, you get the trash can. You get in the picture here. The person with mer- the gift of mercy, 
they just go over to the waitress and give her a big hug and put their arms around and maybe cry a little. Say, oh, bless your heart. It's so sad that that happened to you. The exhorter has a different approach. They come and they put their arm around the, the server and they say, you know, man, that happens to everybody. Everybody makes a mess. I was a server one time and I did this. I spilled barbecue sauce all over. It's like that person just identifies with them and encourages them. The prophet steps in and goes, what sin do you have in your life that caused you to do that? <laughs> the person with the gift of tongues speaks in another language and all these foreigners in the restaurant all organize and come around and help as well. <laughs> the person with the gift of giving says, hey, you guys, I got this covered. I'm paying for everything. We'll get it cleaned up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, buy all the broken dishes and everything. And the miracle, the person with the gift of miracles just says, hey, everyone stop. God will take care of this. Boom. Praise and it all changes. So you getting it? You guys all right? Okay. So that's the first part of figuring out how God has equipped you. What are your spiritual gifts? And by the way, I put like some free gifts tests that are online, some gift assessments that you can take and some of the best that I found. So do that sometime. Second... Uh, Second part of this of shape is heart. The question I ask here is, what, what do you love doing? I mean, the, the truth is, there's just some things that we love to do and some things we don't love as much. Um, God puts that heart in us, I believe. In your Old Testament, there's this book called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a guy who lived during a time when the, the nation of Israel had been... Uh, uh, like overtaken by Persia and Babylon and taken into slavery and captivity. And Nehemiah, a little later, gets it in his brain that he wants to repopulate Jerusalem. And so it talks in that book about how he has a heart to do things. God gives him a heart for something. He gives him a nudge. And one example of that is in Nehemiah 7.5 where he says, So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, officials, and common people for the registration by families. And what that's referring to is that uh, Nehemiah gets everybody organized about mid-part in that book, and he calls them all together. But it all starts with like this thing in his heart. And God leads us that way. Sometimes um, God just nudges you, and you think, you know, I'm kind of interested in that. I I'm, I'd like to do that. Some people read Psalm 37, 4 in different ways. It, it says that we're to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. So some people read that. It's like, oh, if I just like, align myself with God, then God will give me everything I want. But I believe that what it's saying is that if I align myself with God, God will put the desires in my heart that he wants me to have. It's important. Heart is important because ministry for the most part, should be fun. It should be something that we love to do. And sometimes we get the idea, it's like, well, if I like it, it can't be from God. And that's just not true. God places things in our heart. I'll tell you a way uh, that this, you may relate to this. Like those who have the gift of giving. Obviously, um, you know, a church relies on people just being faithful and giving to their church. And you guys do that week in and week out. And it's like, it's not even that much of a heart. Some of you even have it like in your, 
you know, it just automatically gives. And, you know, thank you for that. But some of you have, like, you have a special heart for something, whether it's missions or feeding children or wells in Africa or our building renovation. Obviously, some of you have a strong heart for that because you've given, you know, great amounts of money to that. So these are the ways that our heart can affect our spiritual gifts. Next up is abilities. Abilities are natural talents or maybe even things that have come about as a result of education or training. So God gives us these abilities. That's the A. Um, in the Old Testament, again, when they're building the temple, there's a guy called out by name. His name's Aholiab. You should just look him up sometime. Aholiab. How many of you have ever heard his name before? Okay, not many of us. But do you know that Exodus calls him out as a, a skilled craftsman to assist with the building of the temple? In fact, you know, this, this idea of having a special ability appears a lot in the building, constructing of the temple. Uh, in Exodus 35, 35, it says, God has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. So we know that we develop skills, we get those through education or training, but God also puts, you know, some of us have a ten, uh, like a, a natural bent towards certain things. That's part of how God uses us. And God uses us as who we are, as, as a person. And the things that we have been able to learn through training or education. I think about the musicians on the stage. That, you know, playing an instrument isn't spiritual in its sense, in, the, in its essence, but they're using that gift. The people in that booth right there, that tech booth, they have extraordinary abilities and technical things that I can't even spell the words of the stuff that they work on. And it goes, I mean, we have tradesmen who come in here and fix things and these are ways that god uses us as well so there's spiritual gifts there's heart there's abilities fourth there's personality personality we have indiv unique and individual wirings that should affect where we're best equipped what you know where we're best used if you're an introvert, is it likely you're going to be a great greeter? No, you're not even going to, you're going to go out there and go, it's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Don't look at me when people come into the church. But if you're more outgoing or you're an introvert that can switch to extrovert for a period of time, that's a great place to be. Um, sometimes we, we get a, idea in our head that God wants us to do a certain thing and we totally neglect the idea of personality whether we're a good fit for that ministry and I think it's really important to consider it in uh, a psalm that you're probably pretty familiar with Psalm 139 it talks about how, how uniquely we are made I want to pull out just a couple of verses Psalm 139 13 the psalmist says of God that he's created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God has made me who I am. And so if God has uniquely put our personality together, he wants to use us in keeping with that. And so if you take this mixture of heart and gifts and apply personality to it, you can see how it would look different on somebody. Some people have the gift of teaching, but you're great with children. That's a unique personality part of your gift that comes out. Some of you are better with adults and not with kids. So these are ways that our personality affects uh, how we might be used. How many of you have ever taken like a personality test or strength finder or something like that? These are, these are helpful tools to kind of figure out who, how you're wired. But that's an important question to ask. Last is experiences. Experiences. What, is, what has gone on in my life that others may benefit from? Because we all have experiences in our past that others can benefit from. And, you know, Paul talks about this in regard to, to personal pain and suffering. In his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have received from God. Paul clearly says there that if you've had an experience that was painful to you and God brought you comfort, one of the ways that that can be redeemed is that you can take what you learned about yourself, about God, and you can help somebody else going through the same situation later. I bet you many of you have done that. You know, we're just, we're just never done with God developing us. You know, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. It's like we're always in process. And some of those processes involve our experiences. Some of you are in a family. And in, in a family, you have, you have all these experiences. You, you might be married. You might be divorced. You might have kids. You might not have kids. You might have younger kids, which is different than having older kids or kids that have turned into adults. These are different experiences we have within a family experience that enable us to help others. I bet you some of you have younger kids and your life is nuts. You got like three of them under six. You've probably found some advice from somebody who has gone through that. That's what I'm talking about. Some of you in a career, you've, you've, you've had certain experiences or you've been placed into a certain situation. You've had to deal with something. God uses those things. Some of you, as Paul mentioned, have experienced pain, everything from a knee replacement to cancer. And just by going through that painful experience, you have something that you can contribute to somebody else. And of course, if you've had ministry experience, there's, like, there's so many experiences we have that come to bear and, and are part of our unique shaping and how God uses us. It's our gifts, it's our heart, it's our abilities, our personality, in our experiences. These all shape us.
So you have a call to serve. But when we consider where to serve or how God might use me, we should consider all five of these. Now, the caveat to this is, you know what? God can do whatever he wants to do. And sometimes God will push you out of your comfort zone and he will do something ridiculous through you that there's no reason why you should be doing it. Like in the Bible, Moses is put in a position to debate with Pharaoh to to let my people go. And you know what Moses says? I can't even talk. Wouldn't talking be part of being able to accomplish that well? And God said, don't worry about it. I got it. Um, Some of you uh, that are going to run in the L.A. Marathon, you're not a runner, and yet you've, you've, you've pushed yourself out of that comfort zone, and you're learning things that it's just not part of your normal wiring. So there's always a caveat to that, but most of us, our groove is in keeping with the unique shape God has given us. You guys okay? Everyone, like, take a seventh-inning stretch, and I'm just going to blast through these last things. I told you it's a lot... Some of you aren't even awake enough to raise your arms yet. (laughs) Are you afraid someone will think you're charismatic? We already talked about that's okay, right? (laughs) Okay. Three things that you should know about your unique shape or equipping. First of all, your equipping is unique to you. That's important. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, Paul says, Each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Hey, you're unique. And if you're unique, what that means is there's something that only you can do. It also means that you shouldn't like pine away wishing that you could do what that other person did. It's like God has made you who you are. Those of you that love football or you just watch football, I bet when you watch the game, you're really not thinking about the left tackle on the offensive line. But I can tell you who is every right-handed quarterback. Because if you've watched Blindside, it brings this out. A right-handed quarterback, his most vulnerable place is coming from the left tackle position. And so, because he can see all these people coming at him. The left tackle is something, you know, it's, nobody thinks about that person. But they're extremely important, and they're uniquely qualified to be in that spot. If there's something that you're wired to do, that's God. God wants to use you that way. And you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing or not doing. Secondly, you should be aware of how God has equipped you. The reason why I've spent so much time laying down these tracks and like, like just pouring out information, trying to crush it in 30 minutes, uh, is because I think this is really important for us to know how God wants to use us. In fact, Paul says in that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, at the beginning of that chapter, where he talks about we're like the body, and there's all these parts, uh, he says, now about spiritual gifts, brother, I don't want you to be ignorant. Like, we should be aware of how God has wired us. If you came to church today and you've never thought about how God has uniquely shaped you, or your spiritual gifts, or how they come to bear, and how God may be calling you to serve you need to get spooled up you need to get yourself educated and figure out where God can best use you 
And then lastly, you are equipped to help others. I think it's pretty easy in this day and age to take the things that God has equipped us and the capacities and skills he's given us, and certainly they should be used to, to further ourselves in our career or whatever. But you know, the Bible says that God gave us those gifts so that we can help other people. In 1 Corinthians 12, again, verse 7, Paul writes that now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means whatever God is doing in me, He desires that to come out in a way that helps others grow. That we are interdependent upon one another. You know, this study that we're doing, the survey that we ask you to do, it has a lot of questions about discipleship, and that means helping other people grow in their faith. Do you realize that that is not just the pastoral staff's job? That the body of Christ edifies, builds up one another. And if, and if I'm a player out of play, just sitting on the pines, you know, riding the bench and not engaging, then the body of Christ here suffers. So we are all ministers. We are all part of the maturing process here at Sunridge. And the way we are, part of that is through the gifts that God has given us. So when we think about Sunridge Community Church, you're sitting here. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not going to be sitting here next week because I'm going to another church, Britt. That's okay. I would understand that, especially now that you're turning up the heat. But, um, you know, you're in there. And you're in there for a reason. Because, not, not because Sunridge needs you and we're going to collapse without you, but because God has made you to be part of the body of Christ. And he has something. He has something for you. You know, in, on all the seats were one of these cards that is just an invitation. To those of you that, some of you are dialed, like you're, like you're in your groove at Sunridge, you're like, you know exactly what God has called you to do, and like you probably need to back off a little bit and take a rest, I don't know. But many of you are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. This card went out to all of the people attending our rooted groups, which is the 10-week small group study. 275 people are in those groups. And uh, we wanted to ask them, have you ever considered doing something? And so these went to all the rooted groups. But basically, it's, it's kind of vague about the specific part of how to serve because we don't want to, like, do that to you. This is an invitation to say, like, what is your space? And what, 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 are, what are your capacities? And then let's have a conversation about what are all the opportunities. So if you, I would love for every one of you, if you're not serving, if you're, if you're grasping at straws, you don't know how to serve, you know, fill one of these out and drop it in the give box. And someone from our staff this week will just contact you again. We're not going to make you sign in blood. We're not going to do anything weird to you. We just, we want to help you find your place. A place where you can feel 
God working through you. Because you're in right, you're, you're right in the right place in giving with who God has made you and uniquely shaped you. One of the things that we haven't talked about today uh, thus far is for those of you that are far from God or maybe, maybe you're brand new to church and you came on this day where like it seems to be all about like how you can be more useful at the church. You know, God saves us from our situation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that there's no one so far from God that they cannot be reached through the redemption of Jesus Christ. And it's also the gospel is that there's no one so good that they don't desperately need the salvation that Jesus Christ brought through his death on the cross. But you know, becoming a Christian isn't just like checking off a box and making sure that when I get done doing whatever I'm doing here on, on earth, that I, that I go to heaven. That's part of it. But that's only the start. Jesus invited people to follow him. And so you should know if you're stepping into faith, what, what God is inviting you into, it's not a shove again. It's just like, but what he's really saying to you is, if you follow me, you will discover life how it is really meant to be lived. And you will wake up every day with a purpose in your life, a God-designed purpose. And when you get to the end of your life, if you're fortunate enough to be able to look back, you'll be able to look back and say, my life meant something. Not because you did certain things or you were helpful at the church, but because you were right where God wanted you to be. Part of his family, forgiven, and part of his family, contributing to. Allowing people to experience the wonder of the gospel and being in a place where God has designed you to be. Will you pray with me?